<laughs> Are we rolling? Yeah, we're rolling. Awesome. I Ladies, think. gentlemen, whatever else you want to consider yourself nowadays, welcome to Duh, the podcast, the most inclusive podcast in America. We have an action-packed show today, but before, let's hear a word from our sponsor over at FlanaganLaw.net. <clears throat> Are you too dumb to do your own taxes? Hire a professional, you big, fat idiot. FlanaganLaw.net. That is FlanaganLaw.net. Joined by my co-host, Colin Ruby and Joshua Kite. A lot has transpired in the last week, but let's kick it off with News about Sherm's boy toy, Derek Carr, going down to Nolens. Sherm, you have the floor. All right. Well, first and foremost, I am happy to say that I can wholeheartedly hate the AFC West again as a Chiefs fan. Which we is are great. back. We are fully <laughs> back. Fully back. And... <clears throat> I thought we all predicted this, again, just a tribute to our foresight and absolute rock-solid ethos on this podcast. It's all factual here. So, intentionally fucked the Raiders to just wait to sign after he was cut. And I do think there were better teams he could have possibly went to. However... They instantly become the best team in that division, and I feel like can easily make the playoffs, especially in the NFC. So I think it'll be solid. I think the deal all in all is even less money than what he originally signed in Oakland. The annual value is a a little bit lower, I believe. The only negative is there's always collateral damage in war, and we got to break some eggs, so I don't know what the future holds for Jameis, but... Definitely happy for him. I don't like Dennis Allen as a coach at all, but I guess, are, are we going to say the Saints have a good front office and at least a better defense, so it, it it is an upgrade? I feel like that's safe to say. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good spot for him. I think mean, it should be a good offense next year. Uh, the only thing that does worry me is the coaching staff. They ruin Jameis. I really hope they don't ruin uh, what they have with Derek Carr here, either. Yeah, my main thing on this is uh, I agree. We can barely hear you. Hello? Yeah, there we are. <laughs> Every week with this shit. <laughs> I mean... This is mind-blowing, considering the, the <laughs> iPad has not moved. And this is the third different, <laughs> uh, whatever the fuck it's called. But <clears throat> anywho. We're professionals. Um, you go through yeah. ten iPads a week. <laughs> um, Dennis Allen's an idiot. Um, let's just Shouldn't get that be. out of the way now. Um, I'm pretty sure you can hear that loud and clear. I don't think I need to really scream that one from the rooftops. I just um, hope he's less of an idiot this year than he was last year. Hopefully he learned uh, something. But to uh, piggyback off Colin's point about the front office being an improvement, that is for sure. Mickey Loomis um, is a really good uh, drafting GM. Um, they, they somehow always seem to find guys later in the draft. You know, Kamara was a, a mid-round pick. Um Ryan Ramchek at the end of the first round in the past, 
premier right tackle, Teron Armstead, before. I mean, obviously, he's with Miami now. But um, they're a really good drafting team, which I think works in Derek's favor. I mean, um, and then walking into a team that has Chris Olave, Alvin Kamara, and fingers crossed on Michael Thomas. Um, my main thing with them is how the fuck are they going to keep all these guys with them already being like 20 mil over the cap before even signing Derek. So that's like the primary concern. I don't really understand how they continue to pull this kind of shit off, but you know, saints always just push their cap problems. Like I feel like they're over every year and they're just like, Oh, just figure this out later. They, yeah, and that's, that's cap the thing. Hell, I just don't get cap hell every year, but and that's why Sean Payton just jumped off the fucking ship. He's like, I'm not, I can't do this anymore, especially once Frodo retired. You got to just chill with the Drew Brees stuff. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I think Derek. Um, I personally, if I were going to go to the NFC South, I, I would have probably gone with the Carolina route. Um, I, I just think given, I think we've talked about that before. Like that was kind of where we wanted him to go, um, rather than where we thought he would go. Um, I mean, I just think Frank Reich, he's still have a number one receiver, um, an ascending team rather than an aging team with a, a bunch of pending free agents or guys that are due for big contracts, you know, uh, like Marshawn Lattimore. Um, so I, I'm not really sure why he was so kind of like set on the saints. Like what really was the sales pitch for him? Um, that they got him there over, you know, the jets and, and Carolina, but, um, I'm interested to see as it stands right now. Uh, I'd say they're definitely, definitely the team to beat in, uh, the NFC South, the fucking dumpster of the NFL when it comes to divisions. Watch out for Kyle Trask. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to fucking sell me on any Florida quarterback. Spoiler alert for my quarterback draft rankings. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's the bigger point that we all alluded to, is that it was just a good choice in division, period. The NFC South is Gotham City on the brink, <laughs> and Derek Carr is just Bane coming into town. That picture of him, the, like, f- hilarious, like, face-down picture, it's time to just Photoshop <laughs> Bane mask onto that as well. He's earned it. Um, we have anything else on Derek? Now, what was his deal again? Like, what is his annual uh, value? I think it's I, four for one fifty. I, th- I was say I thought he got the same exact deal as uh, Jones, but it could been it could have been one fifty. It's somewhere. It's four for one fifty or one sixty. It's in that so same. So it's basically thing. like forty a year. I think it. Yeah, it's, I think it's, it's like thirty seven and a half a year. Yeah, it's less than forty million annually, which is technically what his contract extension in Vegas was before they cut him. Do we know how much is guaranteed of that contract? That seems to be a a, a big factor these days. Yeah, I'm sure it's not insane. I'm sure it's not completely guaranteed. No, I mean, it's it. definitely not. Four, he got a, a four, 150, 28 and a half signing bonus, and 100 is guaranteed. Okay. So, yeah, triple digits of guarantee. That seems to be the least amount people will accept these days. Also, shout out for him just being an absolute fucking mogul. This is his second $100-plus contract he signed in the NFL, so... 
Yeah, he's doing fine for himself. Yeah. My my dad and I were talking about that. This isn't a quarterback, um, but it is uh, someone who's going to get paid big time. Uh, Javon Hargrave, the D tackle from Philly. Um, I couldn't believe that <clears throat> how much money that guy's going to end up making. I mean, he's a great player and all, but like to think that he's going to hit the open market after already signing and playing through an entire seventy million dollar contract and then get paid even more this go around. It's kind of crazy considering the position he plays. Like typically guys who sign big money deals at that kind of position don't even make it through the whole contract without being a cap casualty. So, I mean, shout out Javon Hargrave, former Steeler. Yeah, longevity will get you paid. Um, but if we don't have anything else on Derek, I will move on to hopefully keep this brief. Geno Smith. Three years, a buck oh five. Uh, I think seventy five of it <clears throat> is uh, in salary, and then the rest is potential incentives. And I think it's very front loaded. I believe they said his first year was like fifty of the one oh five. Any thoughts on Gino finally getting his payday? Do we know how much of this one was guaranteed? Um, in front of you. Fire up the old Google machine. Here at the podcast, we are very prepared. I feel like it was like <laughs> still like eighty. Something's telling me it was eighty, which is just a ton guaranteed. Yeah, I mean, I think you tweeted out, Jay. I mean, what a time to be alive. Where Geno Smith's getting a hundred million dollar contract, like eight years in or whatever he is. Uh, thirty mil was guaranteed at signing. Um. Three years, it's really three years, 75, and like I said, the other 30 or so is in incentives. Um, yeah. So he's, he's still getting 25 a year. I mean, a guy that was more of a, looked at as a journeyman backup to getting a shot again, you know, in the second half of his career. I mean, it's it's a hell of a story. I like Gino a lot at West Virginia. Um, do I think he's going to lead the NFL in completion percentage again this year? No, not even fucking close. But if Seattle were to use their, their draft pick on a guy like Will Levis or Anthony Richardson, someone of that ilk, if you will, um, I think it makes a ton of sense for them as a good, uh, perfect bridge quarterback, great locker room guy. Yeah, I mean, if you say it is 25 a year, it really doesn't sound like that bad, like because they're only doing it for three years. Like it is a good like, bridge contract, like, they're not dedicated long-term to him. But, I mean, you could see it falling apart a little bit at the end of last year. So, I don't know exactly what to expect out of him next year. I think it's just also a product of the entire quarterback market as a whole, which is just a kind of a broader theme we'll probably get to later as well with other things. But I think they're just looking at the market and being like, anybody who's just decent or better, I'm going to have to pay 40 plus million dollars. Like, is Geno Smith really that much worse where I can still get him at 15 or 20 million dollars less annually, even with a guy like Baker or some other people floating around where it's like, if I can pay this guy 20 million dollars less than any other like average young quarterback like I'm just gonna do that and build the rest of my roster 
quick note on Baker. It did get reported that the 49ers and Rams are headed for a bidding war on Baker or maybe not a bidding war per se, but more of a fight over Baker, which really, really fires me up. (laughs) Could you imagine if the Niners end up with Baker in that roster and he is just Brock Purdy with a fucking cannon of an arm? I mean, good God in heaven, I will blow a load everywhere. <laughs> you heard it here first on Doug Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. For all the millions of you listening, I, Jeremy Wick, will go on Facebook Live and do some weird <laughs> shit if Baker Mayfield <laughs> goes to the 49ers. Oh, I feel like it's in the realm of possibility. Oh, it's for sure going to happen. Um, all right, so I will get us into the first half of this week's big news. Um, very controversial contract extension for Danny Dimes, Daniel Jones, four years, a buck sixty, same exact contract as those of Dak Prescott, uh, Matt Stafford, um, and sent, uh, he actually got paid more than Derek Carr, who I don't think anyone in the world, including Daniel Jones, would say Daniel Jones is better than Derek Carr. I would um, hope nobody's saying that. Yeah, I, I would hope not as well. But, you know, when we get into future segments today, I'm sure we'll get over how stupid everyone else is. Um, any thoughts on Danny Dimes? Yeah, wasn't there also a potential for like 35 more in incentives, which would take it like to over 45 a year annual value if he meets those incentives? I mean that that's ridiculously high in my opinion. Like it was more than he was asking for. What I read was it was the the one sixty and then he got a thirty six signing bonus. But okay. I I the one sixty's the max. Okay, I could have missed the, the incentives. Yeah, no, this is all from yesterday when it was first announced. I didn't see anything any updates. I didn't go back to check out his contract deeds today. Either way, it's a shit contract. I mean, I'm not going to say it's Deshaun Watson level bad, but I feel like anybody looks around and it's like, this is a horrible contract, especially because like everything or most contracts nowadays, it's super front loaded. So they're tied to him for the next two seasons at least and owe him a lot of money when their roster is already bad. So they're going to have to draft really well. Dable is going to have to keep working his magic, which, again, Dable has now tricked two franchises into overpaying quarterbacks at this point. Yeah, we've so, seen Dable work some magic before on pathetic quarterbacks. So, Anyway, I don't think – I don't even think a Giants fan would be excited about this contract. So – it is what it is. Congrats for him getting his money. Maybe he'll have another seven rushing touchdowns this year, but I don't think anyone is pleased with this other than him and his agent. Yeah. Um, Dean Jones is not great. Um, I don't think this is a very good contract. Um, but this just seems to be commonplace for the New York football giants. Um, between the Galladay contract, um, drafting Daniel Jones at six in the first place, 
Um, they just uh, the mishandling of Kadarius Tony, who just got reported as going to be the number one receiver in Kansas City going forward. As predicted, <laughs> as predicted on this podcast. Just another thing we were right about. I was going to bring that up. In try, my... try telling me the number one wide receiver in Kansas City isn't going to be a top 15 wide receiver next year in the league. Yeah, check Twitter. Check the facts. <laughs> Again, I mean, over a 1,000 scrimmage yards, d- double-digit touchdowns was predicted last week. I... And now all the freak in the sudden, he's wide receiver one. I mean, duh. I I wish I just would have left it at the Galladay contract, but whatever. Yeah, we, we um, on that. Um, so I'm sure what they're going to end up giving Saquon, um, a very you know replaceable, interchangeable position, um, which is unfortunate because you know I think Saquon deserves to be paid for the season he had, but you know it's just a, a known fact you don't pay running backs these big contracts because almost always it doesn't work out for you. I mean, how many Todd Gurley's, Le'Veon Bells do we have to see before we're learning our lesson? So, with all that being said, this is not a surprise whatsoever. The Giants are the Giants. Um, They have been covered in mediocrity for the last almost a decade now. Um, And I'd argue that if they didn't have Odell and those, like, two, three years of just him making splash plays, I'd argue they'd be completely irrelevant for over a decade. Um, so, again, it's a bad deal, bad contract. He's like the 21st best quarterback in the NFL. Um, and it just seems to be what the Giants do. I mean, it's just overpay for mediocre. Um, it's fun. And they're about – they just started talking to Dexter Lawrence about a contract extension. It's just like where where they're allocating money I don't think makes a ton of sense. You know, $40 million a year for a slightly above average starting quarterback. And we don't even know if that's because he's handcuffed by Dable to basically just not fuck up. Um, and then you're going to overpay a running back. Um, a nose tackle. It's just like the Giants make zero sense to me, and I cannot wait to see what wide receiver's career they derail next. Yeah, it seemed like the day before they uh, made this contract with Daniel Jones that they weren't going to, like, be close to his number and that they were probably going to have to tag him. Then, like, last minute they just panicked and gave him $40 million plus a year and use the tag on Saquon. Yeah, I feel like you kind of just brought it up in another point, Jay, where they've just been so bad for so long that their standards have dropped, and they finally just made the playoffs and were actually good by their lowered standards this year. So they're just panicking and being like, let's do just exactly what we did last year and bring this whole team back and see if Dayball can just work his magic again. But even if they are on the same-ish level next year, I don't see them being any better than that, and they're not going to improve moving forward with their cap situation and the money they have allocated the way they do. So, yeah. All right. So I think that'll lead us into the juicy story of the week. Been all over 
ESPN, NFL Network, Fox Sports 1, duh, the podcast. Lamar Jackson receiving the non-exclusive franchise tag, which pays him about 32 and a half, I believe is the official number, um, this season, but leaves the floor open for other teams to come in, negotiate a contract. Um, if the Ravens choose not to match said contract, if one's agreed upon, they would receive that team's next two first-round picks. But at the end of the day, the Ravens do have the choice to match any and all agreed-upon contract, like a restricted free agent and uh, the NBA for a comparison. Um, so, Josh, as the resident Ravens fan of the group, I'll let you have the floor first as far as your thoughts on the non-exclusive franchise tag for Lamar. Yeah, I think the non-exclusive tag, at least in these last couple weeks, was what I was hoping for as a Ravens fan. So I would say it's good because we can now just let the market determine what Lamar's contract is. So we can say go out, see what your market value is, and to my like I would expect them to match whatever they got. I think they just didn't want to ultimately pay him something that was way over what his actual value was. So now we're letting the the market, the league decide. And then we, like you said, we get to match. I think we would match whatever it is. So in terms of from like a general manager point of view, I think it was, I think it was the right move because now I think we'll, we'll either get two first round picks or we'll pay a fair number for, for Lamar Jackson at the end of the day. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, you were saying it's like this hot topic and I just feel like it's not even that big of a deal. People are just freaking the fuck out about it because of Twitter and everything else. Like the talking heads are saying, but they've been reportedly like a hundred million dollars apart in guarantees like this whole time. It's like, why would anybody expect that to change? And they're doing exactly that. It's just good business. They're saying, okay, if someone else is going to pay you more, let them do the work, draw it up, and then we can either match it or collect if we truly think it's too much. And I'm not surprised that the market hasn't been great considering the fact that he hasn't finished the last two seasons. And a, a lot of teams would have to completely change their offense to accommodate him coming in. So it's just not as ridiculous as it some people think it seems that there's not already multiple suitors lined up to guarantee him 200 plus million dollars. That's the other thing. The world unanimously agreed that Deshaun Watson's contract was horrible in terms of guarantees, him deserving it, everything, and that no one was going to do anything ever like, ever like that, even remotely close to that in terms of guaranteed money. And now, even though Lamar is, I would argue, a better player and a better person, he's asking for even as much or more money than that when everyone else said that was never going to happen again. Like, what did you expect was going to happen, especially without an agent? Like, it's just not feasible. Like, he has to 
be realistic to a degree. Yeah, I think that's more where the drama comes in. Uh, not really the Ravens using the non-exclusive tag. Like, there was obviously only three things that could have happened. Extension, exclusive, or non-exclusive tag. I don't think that's the crazy part. I think, uh, I think it gets a little bit dramatic when you bring in the, what's going on in Twitter. The, the team's dropping out and now, now you have people saying, oh, it's collusion amongst the NFL <laughs> to, uh, not pay Lamar. When it's like, I just don't think any of these owners have ever paid a fully guaranteed contract before. And I don't think they're going to start now. I don't think it's, collusion when you're asking for something that's never been done before. Um, I, I think that's where a lot of the, the drama is coming in, the, the collusion or this smells weird with Lamar with these teams dropping out. It's like teams are dropping out because they know, they know what, what he's asking for. At least they've heard the reports of what he's asking for and to give up two first round picks, knowing you're going to have to guarantee 250 a lot of people aren't going to want to touch that I, I don't think that's this wild thing that's so hard to believe well and here's another thing on that subject that I've kind of heard recently as well is that even if you are willing to do that you can plan all that out draw up that contract and then at the end of the day the Ravens can still just match it and you did all that work for nothing which is why it's extra unappealing to other teams knowing that apparently the Ravens want to keep him in house anyway so I just feel like really what he's fighting for is not a lot at all like the amount of money and the amount of guaranteed money and all this like what he's fighting for it sucks that basically he has to be the one to die for the cause, but it's just not going to happen. Yeah, well, he doesn't have to be the one because since Deshaun Watson's deal, Kyler's gotten paid, not fully guaranteed. Russell Wilson's gotten paid, not fully guaranteed. He's choosing to die on this hill, despite the league making it clear that the Browns made a mistake, a one-off situation that would never happen again. And all those contracts are just objectively bad at this point. Like, Rodgers' contract, Wilson's contract, Murray's contract. Like, all these guys who got that big money, like, their teams are going nowhere fast. So... I don't know why you expect all of a sudden the rules to just change when that's the other hilarious thing to me. Since when do the Browns set the standard? The Browns are a joke. Why do every, why does everybody else have to do what the Browns do? If they were smart, they would never do what the Browns do. And that's what's happening. Yeah. I think another thing, uh, I guess another side of what's really making me mad from everything that's coming out recently on this stuff is the the handful of people, and I think Warren Sharp's part of this crowd, that's like, we live in a world where Daniel Jones is getting paid, you know, $8 million more than Lamar Jackson to play football. I think people are forgetting, I think enough times passed that people are forgetting that the Ravens had an offer on the table to make him the first or second highest paid player ever with like top six or top seven fully guaranteed like uh guaranteed number like it was over like 130 which would have ranked him like seventh sixth or seventh so like i think people are forgetting that's like ravens are taking all this heat like 
oh, you, you're being disrespectful. It's like, we, we have an offer on the table to make him the highest paid quarterback in history. Like, I don't think that's necessarily a, a disrespectful move. I have many thoughts about this situation. Um, you thought you might. I could bring up uh, Lamar's regression as a player. Um, I could bring up his lack of playoff success. I could bring up the fact that he has more turnovers than touchdowns in the playoffs. I could also bring up that he has 20 interceptions in his last 25 games. I won't. I'm not going to bring it up. Um, you could. I could. I'm to. choosing not to because apparently it's irrelevant because he won an MVP three years ago. Um. So, I mean, I, I think what, what's happening to Lamar is very unfair. Um, thanks, thanks to his single MVP award, his first full season as a starter. Um. So, I, I mean, the fact that Lamar – Cam Newton, Matt Ryan, the the disrespect that's happening right now with these guys who have won an MVP years and years ago um, is really just disgusting to see, to be honest. Um, but, you know, being facetious aside, um, what the Ravens are doing is nothing short of good business. Um, you guys have already kind of um, hit – all the points that I would have brought up. Um, so oh, that the, fucking East India trading company shit right now. Yeah. So at, at the the risk of you know beating a dead horse here, I'll just you know kind of reiterate. You know, one, why would you give him the exclusive tag if you're just planning on matching any deal anyway? So at the very least, you're like, well, if we don't get a deal done, you're paying you're paying him thirteen million dollars less. Check that box. Um, two, if you don't feel like matching a deal, you get two first round picks for him. And after the Russell Wilson fiasco, chances are that's about as good as you do anyway in a trade. Uh, for someone that hasn't finished each of the last two seasons, I won't bring it up, but I'm just saying. Um, and, and then also it's just like people are, I think it was Schefter who said it defies logic that teams are coming out that need quarterbacks are saying they're not interested. Why – how does it defy logic? Why would they go out of their way if they know the Ravens are dead set on bringing them back, matching any offer? They just want other teams to do the work. Why would you go out of your way to do the work for the Ravens? They've had two years to get this deal done, and they haven't gotten a deal done. That's why the Ravens are doing this. They're like, all right, fuck it. Somebody else take care of this and basically hand somebody else a blank check and then sign the deal. That's basically what the Ravens are doing. It's not this fucking collusion bullshit. It's they're tired of dealing with this. I'm sure Lamar not having an agent has worn them very thin over the last two years with this whole fiasco. So, like, the Ravens, DaCosta, all these guys getting heat, uh, I think, is just ridiculous. Um, it's just people, you know, clamoring for attention. And they're falling on these 2019 narratives when we live in a 2023 world in which he's gotten – I said I wouldn't bring it up, but – I still won't bring it up. But, you know, two years ago, 87 passer rating, doesn't finish the season. This past year, 
91 or 92 passer rating doesn't finish the season. And in a world where guys like Daniel Jones are rushing for 700 yards and seven touchdowns, is Lamar's skill set as a runner that much more unique than the rest of the league? I mean, we just saw Justin Fields rush for 1,100 yards. You know, guys like Jalen Hurts. I mean, it's not that abnormal anymore. Don't get me wrong. Lamar is still the best mobile quarterback of, like, the running dominant players uh, at the position. But, like, he's not that abnormal anymore or unique to the NFL anymore, especially when we got guys like Anthony Richardson that are six foot four, 245 pounds running four fours. Like, it's only going to continue to be flooding the league. Especially you know, when he doesn't have Gray Roman designing the plays anymore as well. Yeah, and now will, will affect his rushing. I promise. Yeah. So, so, so like, um, I just don't really understand the pushback the Ravens have gotten. Um, it seems that there are very few, if any, people in the big sports media. We choose not to be a part of it. You should see some of the contracts we've turned down. Um, but like. No one's even acknowledging his regression as a player. It's just we're living on false narratives, and it's almost as if people being so ass wrong about him as a player coming out of college, coming out of Louisville, people like Bill Polian saying, you know, I think I would advise him to switch to receiver, you know, shit like that. I think people being so wrong about him early has turned them to now defend him no matter what at the risk of being wrong again, which is just ridiculous because they should be objective and they should just look at the facts. And the fact of the matter is since his first full season as a starter, which he was amazing. I'll be the first to come out and say he was amazing. Should have been unanimous MVP was unanimous MVP. They were 14 and two. They were a dominant team. That team ran through him, et cetera. But I won't bring it up, but he was awful in that Chargers playoff game. And oh, well, as a fan, as a fan, I appreciate you not bringing all this up. And season after season after season, he's either a gotten worse or b gotten hurt or c both. And I just don't understand why it's like, oh my god, how dare the Ravens not want to give him all this guaranteed money? To your point, Josh, they had an offer on the table going into the season. He said no. He chose to quote-unquote bet on himself, which, um, I, I, as far as I'm concerned, his numbers were slightly better than they were the previous year, but I think he looked worse this season. And, and, and don't, get me, don't get me started on the whole, well, Daniel Jones got this, that, and the other. Daniel Jones finished the season, got to the playoffs, won a playoff game, played amazing in said playoff game, albeit against the sorry-ass Vikings defense. But, like, it's not necessarily apples and oranges is what I'm getting at. Um, so I think the, the Ravens' pushback is, has been um, unwarranted. It's good business. It's the nature of the beast. And uh, this is what Lamar gets, I guess, for not having an agent advise him. Um, and I don't think it's a surprise that teams are not flooding uh, him with messages and trying to, you know, flooding him with contract offers just for the Ravens to come in and be like, oh, thanks for doing all the work. We'll uh, we'll take it from here. So um, I don't think it should be 
nearly as talked about or as controversial as it has been. I just think people just need something to be, you know, up in arms about in, in today's world about anything. It goes for anything. Yeah, especially on the Daniel Jones comparison thing, like everybody making like saying how outrageous that is. Like everybody also acknowledges, including us, 20 minutes ago, how horrible of a fucking contract that is. Like no one thinks the Daniel Jones contract is a good thing. Like that's not like it shouldn't be looked at that way. Like if anything, it's like good grief. Like this is why we shouldn't overpay any quarterbacks. And another interesting stat as a final note for me that I saw from a former NFL exec, which I can't, I can't remember the name I would give them credit for because this is interesting. And it basically means that like what he is even fighting for is like borderline irrelevant that any, I believe any 25 or 26 year old player who signs a contract extension no matter the percentage that is guaranteed, whether it's literally 10%, you know, 10 million out of 80 million or 150 million is actually guaranteed, or whether 60, 70, 85% is fully guaranteed, they end up collecting that player, you know, in their prime, deserving of that extension, usually ends up collecting at least 90% of the full value anyway. So it's like, Dude, you're going to make the money if you play decent and are this player for another three or four years anyway. Like, just take the deal. And that's where if he had an agent, I feel like an agent would be pressuring him to take the deal and be like, you're walking away from, like, 130, 150 fully guaranteed on the table. And if you win a Super Bowl, like, you're going to make the full 200-plus whatever it is anyway in incentives. Yeah, it does seem sketchy, like, you know, pushing for it to be fully guaranteed. Like, why do you want it fully guaranteed so bad? Do you plan on, like, you know, scraping your knee and not playing ever again and just collecting money? Like, if you go out there and play almost full seasons every year, you're going to make your whole contract. Yeah. Especially when the offense runs through you. Yeah, and last thing for me, um, we, we've kind of, like, touched on it here and there, um, but I think the, the overarching issue as well is the absurd overpayment for quarterbacks in general. Just the position itself is so egregiously overpaid and overvalued now that we, like, acknowledge it, that we, but we also don't acknowledge it. Everyone's like, oh, my God, it's, like, the most important position on the field. Like, you have to get the quarterback right. You have to get the quarterback right. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, did the 49ers not just get to the NFC Championship with a seventh-round rookie third-string quarterback? Did yep. Daniel Jones not look like a complete waste of human life up until this season? Like, we, we see all these guys that are marginal talents at best, and then, you know, you get them in the right system with a, a premier head coach, whether it's um, Dable, Shanahan, or you surround them with a bunch of weapons, like, or, or both. You know, in, in like Tua's case, for example, like I just don't understand. It's like on one hand they'll sit there and say you have to get the quarterback right. If you don't have the quarterback right, you don't win. And then on the other hand, they're like, oh my god, is Brock Purdy the offensive rookie of the year? It's like which fucking one is it? So like, as far as I'm concerned, it, it's about overpaying marginal talents is what's um, 
polluted the market. You know, guys like Daniel Jones getting 40 million, guys like Dak Prescott even getting 40 million is, is outrageous to me. As someone that loves and will die for Matt Stafford, I don't think he should have gotten the contract he got even after winning a Super Bowl. Um, but that's just the, the world we live in right now. And the Ravens and whoever is dumb enough to sign Lamar to the, all the money he wants, whoever that ends up being, like they're just going to be the next victim of it. I mean, look at the guys that are the biggest cap hits. Most of them aren't the best quarterbacks in the league. Like Russell Wilson, I think is the second highest cap hit behind or, or second most guaranteed dollars behind uh, um, Deshaun. And I think Kyler's right there. Are you telling me any any of those three going into this season are top 12 at the position, let alone top three? So, I mean, um, it's just the the unfortunate state of affairs right now as far as the way the quarterback position is paid. Um, and I'd argue that there's maybe five, six guys max that are worth even getting paid top dollar like that um, in a league where you just surround a marginal talent with, good protection, decent weapons, and a, you know, a top flight coach, you can win a bunch of games. Um, you know, it's the same argument people used against Baker. Um, that year they went and won a playoff game. You know, Stefanski came in, added structure, a good run first uh, offense. All you had to do was just distribute the ball on time, and look what happened. Uh, he was deemed, you know, the, the next guy just from that one season, he was going to be the next guy. Like, oh, when's Baker getting paid? Start the clock on Baker. Josh Allen hadn't gotten paid yet in Lamar from that draft. Everyone's like, oh, like, when are these guys, who's going to get paid first? And obviously things have changed since then, but, like, my point is there. Um, So it's just uh, unfortunate now that, you know, just because you're a a starting quarterback, I shouldn't even say franchise quarterback, but a starting quarterback in the league, you automatically get paid twice as much as everybody else in the field. I I think that's, that's the biggest issue here. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting that you see these teams that are making these big contracts to quarterbacks having zero success, but then still year after year the mark the price goes up for these average guys and people are still willing to do it. And then at the first sign of a team not wanting to pay everything they own to a quarterback, they get, you know, a bunch of pushbacks and it's like, oh, it's it's disrespectful. It's it's like we just we're seeing it not work, so we're going to try something else, and we're just getting ripped apart. Here's my biggest thing, too, about it is the slack of self-awareness by these middle-tier, um, average, above-average quarterbacks. It's like guys like Daniel Jones, you know deep down in your heart of hearts after a season, your best season of your career is you throwing 15 touchdown passes. You are taking $40 million against the cap. Like, why would you not take a more team-friendly deal? Like, look at what Mahomes did. He signed early. He signed that massive 10 years. You look at it, 10 years, $500 million. You're like, what the fuck? But then you look at how it's structured. It's like he's going to be like the 10th or 12th biggest cap hit year after year. So, I mean, it's just like why would you not choose knowing you're not someone as talented as Patrick Mahomes or, you know, Joe Burrow or Josh Allen? Um, why would you choose to put your team in a chokehold and not be able to surround yourself with more talent? That's what I don't understand. You know, you saw it year after year with, like, Ben, uh, Drew Brees, Tom Brady with New England. Like, year after year, they'd sign these huge deals, and then they'd uh, restructure their contracts so that way they could re-sign guys like 
AB or whomever. So I, I just don't understand why these marginal guys. I mean, look what look what Dallas is dealing with now. I mean, they had to trade Amari Cooper because they were dumb enough to pay Zeke, and then they were even more dumb to give Dak $40 million a year, knowing that he's only as good as the protection and weapons and running game he has around him. So uh, that's another thing I don't understand um, as far as not taking more. There's no, like, team-friendly deals out there anymore. Literally, Mahomes, who was – at worst, the best quarterback in the NFL right now take, is the guy who takes, who has the only team-friendly contract in the NFL. Make it make sense. The yeah. guy has won his second Super Bowl, and people are like, eh, team-friendly contract. They're going to sign a bunch of people. I got a bunch of draft picks. Nah, give me yeah. the $50 million a year. Fuck the rest of the team. It's just like I, I just don't understand it. I, I, you can't tell me Patrick Mahomes is the only guy that's obsessed with winning Super Bowls. But yeah, maybe the, he is. you – the market should reset each year to like everybody who signs new deals should come in below Patrick Mahomes. That way you keep the market like fair, but instead they just do it who got paid the most recently. And now like Patrick Mahomes is like the eighth highest paid quarterback while being easily the best. Yeah, I feel like that's a good point. What he's making is fair value for him as the best quarterback in the league on a semi team friendly deal. Like, it is truly ridiculous, and I feel like some kind of reckoning has to be coming, some kind of market correction, because I know the cap is going up because of the new TV deals and whatnot, like, and it's going to keep generating more money, so in turn the cap will keep negotiating upwards. But even still, it's not a ridiculous percentage, and... it I mean, maybe teams won't wise up, but again, if you want to win... And, you know, you have seen the model out there, the young quarterback surrounded with talent model work and work and work. And Mahomes basically trying to perpetually stay in that mode to a degree with his team-friendly deal. Like, something's got to change or the Chiefs are just going to run through the NFL for the next five years. Which, honestly, I don't – I wouldn't hate that. But – I thought for sure after the Deshaun Watson contract, that's where we were headed. But here yeah. we are with three guys. Actually, I, won't, no, I won't put, I won't put Gino in this class because uh, I think Gino um, is about fair given comparatively to what everyone else is getting. Um, but like now here we are next year after Deshaun got that absurd contract and we got, Two guys making essentially forty million dollars a year that have no business making forty million dollars a year, and then God knows what Lamar's going to end up getting when it's all said and done. So, uh, yeah, I I just don't understand what's what's going to give at some point. I, I just feel like you cannot continue to just have these quarterbacks. I mean, we're going to get to a point in two, what two years down the road where Trevor Lawrence is what going to get fifty five million dollars a year for being like the sixth best quarterback or seventh best quarterback it's just like i just don't understand yeah and but if they, re- if note, they... Like, what what the fuck's burrow gonna get this year or next year like jesus christ so i mean i'm sure he's licking his chops to see whatever lamar gets because he's like that guy that i outplay every single time i've ever played against him ever in the history of the world um like that guy gets this like i don't want you know whatever i mean it's a foregone conclusion burrow's gonna get more than like aaron and josh allen but my, again, my my points there. I don't know why. 
If they ever reset the market, though, there's just going to be more collusion talk. <laughs> they're just, they're just, they're, they're handcuffed at this point to just keep paying more. I, I would even say they're handcuffed though, because I mean, at some point there has to be a line in the sand. Um, yeah, and if they if they ever say that line's there, they're going to be like, "You're colluding against us to give us the contracts we deserve." And I, I would, if I were the owners, I would just push back on that and be like, "At the end of the day, we are called an owner for a reason. This is our team, our business. We could choose who and who not to pay X, Y, yeah. and Z, and especially in a free market system where." There is free agency. Um, you know, who, who knows? Lamar could just not get any contracts and could be forced to either A, sign it, or B, hold out like Le'Veon Bell did, and then just hit the market free. So, I mean, it's, I feel like there's ways around that collusion talk. It, it could get ugly, but, like, at the end of the day, I feel like something has to give. Yeah, I, uh, I don't think – I, I – I don't know why he just wouldn't want to come back to the Ravens either. Like, they've had a good relationship seemingly up to this point. They have offered him, Josh, you brought this up, like, off uh, recording. Like, they're the only team that's offered him over $100 million fully guaranteed. No other team's offered him that, and a bunch of teams have made it clear immediately that they're not going to offer him that, so... Like, I don't know why, again, like, back to my point earlier, of I feel like he's fighting so hard for a cause that isn't even worth it at all. Yeah, I think I've exhausted all uh, all opinions on this matter. Agreed. Um, we would just like to have everyone join us in a moment of silence. Um, Frank Clark is due to be released by the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, so, here we go. Yeah, I think uh, I think he already has been released at this point. It's just that was a moment of silence, Colin, but um, thank you for interrupting said moment of silence. And it's very disrespectful um, for Frank Clark on National Frank Clark Day. Um, <laughs> we are sorry, Frank, and we wish you nothing but the best. Go Blue. Yeah, we've been a Frank Clark podcast since day one. I think I'm actually putting in my calendar March 8th as Frank Clark Day from now on. <laughs> um, but on a serious note, I am disappointed. I thought he was going to take less money to re-sign and uh, chase the playoff sack record. But that being said, given that he has two rings and he was due 20 mil this coming season, I don't hate him wanting that either, so... Best of luck, Uncle Frank. You're in a better place. <laughs> yeah, he really is in a better place. You're very well said. Um, Good God, depending on what city it goes to, when he does make that 20 mil, it could be trouble again. It could be a worse <clears throat> place, a.k.a. better place. All right. So I will bring this into a brief combine recap as uh, – the official college football aficionado. I will be releasing my much-anticipated quarterback prospect rankings, uh, one through five. But first, was there anything you guys thought stood out from the combine? Um, I know, obviously, Anthony Richardson kind of did it all. Um, but anyone else, any other storylines anyone want to touch on? I don't even want to anymore. Uh, I, there was, like... 
Was it a D a D lineman that ran like a four three? Oh, uh, Nolan, Nolan I did Smith that. That caught Georgia. my the guy from Georgia, the DN. I think he ran like a four three seven. Yeah, Nolan Smith's an animal. Um, pretty terrifying to know that someone that size could run that fast at you. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, he he was definitely impressed. I mean, Georgia just has all of those dudes. I mean, Keely Ringo ran a four three, and that dude's a massive corner. Uh, they're they're all freaks. Um, I do want to say one thing though. Stop making the fucking offensive lineman run the forty yard dash for Christ's sake. I forget who it was, but someone blew a hamstring on the. Oh yeah, I saw that. It's so fucking useless. Like, but I just don't understand. And I'm trying to understand. People move like three yards down the field. So (laughs) there's literally a rule that prevents them from running in a full sprint. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Downfield. With the exception of the occasional hilarious, like, blown play, and they have to pick up a fumble and try and run, like, Garrett Bradbury, or the fucking guy, Robert Hunt, who got flipped on his head for the Dolphins. Even on a a screen, they're only getting, like, 10, 15 yards downfield max before they're sniffing out some contact, (laughs) getting horizontal. (laughs) (laughs) My point. So stop making them run the 40. It's fucking bullshit. Um... That was my main thing. But here we go. Quarterback prospect rankings. Well, I have a question before you start. Did the combine change your rankings from pre-combine rankings? Yes. I have a question before you start. Yes. Would you consider any of these quarterbacks, I don't know how many you're going to do, whether it's like three or five or whatever, but – would you even consider any of them good, period? Good's a loaded question because um, it depends on your definition of good. Because do you consider guys, you know, in that Derek Carr, Garoppolo, Kirk Cousins tier, do you consider them good or just above you average? You need some good ones and some not I was going to say ones? those three quarterbacks are not in the same tier of good. Um, they are, um, for those of us with eyes. Um, but anyway, that's just give a letter grade for each ranking. That way we know where you stand overall as well. Okay. Well, I'm going to go from, uh, five to one. Oh yeah. Um, actually, no, I'll start from the top. I'll start from the top because, you know, to, to be the top of this list is being like the, the smartest kid with down syndrome to, uh, (laughs) get quote, uh, waiting. (laughs) Great flick. Um, so number one, as much as this pains me to say, as a Michigan Wolverine fan, um, this might actually be the first ever somewhat decent Ohio State quarterback in the NFL. C.J. Stroud is my number one quarterback going into the draft. Um, the combine did not change this. What changed this was the Georgia game. Um, he played his fucking ass off against a damn, essentially an NFL defense. Um, he was showing that he was mobile in that game. Um, he was on time. Some of the throws he was making in ball placement was just fantastic. Um, so in a generally weak class, I think Stroud, for me personally, has separated himself. I think if you just, you know, watch the games, um, I think you can really see that there's just a distinct difference in decision-making, being on time, 
then you watch that Georgia game, the the fact that he can actually pull the ball out on a, on a read option and, and run it himself, um, I, I think is was definitely surprising to a lot of people because he straight up refused to do it in previous games. Um, so, yeah, like I said, in an overall weak class, I, I would go with Stroud. He's the most pro-ready in my eyes, and uh, I, I think he has – the highest floor, not necessarily the highest ceiling, but the highest floor of all the quarterbacks. I think that's the best way to put it. Can I make um, a point? Please. He didn't. He played like one good game and was carried by his wide receiver core. I disagree. Um, but I appreciate. That doesn't. That doesn't mean I wouldn't have him number one in this draft. I, I like, but oh my god, I wouldn't say he separated himself he separated himself from guys who had completion percentages in the 50s marvin Uh, harrison jr set himself apart from any coverage to make it easy to throw to yeah but you could say that about uh, a lot of the guys that come out year after year i mean you you can hold it against um deshaun watson you can hold it against baker you can hold it against Burrow. For, I mean, look at Burrow, for Christ's sake. We do. I mean, yeah, like, <laughs> Burrow, played with college two of, Burrow played with two of the four or five or six, whatever you want to – I forget how we had them ranked, receivers in the NFL in college. So, I mean, um, anyway, whatever. Number two, Will Levis, Kentucky Wildcat, Penn State transfer. Um, big, strong dude, super smart. His mom went to an Ivy League school. He's like a 4.0 student. He, he's got a lot of Justin Herbert in him, um, which Colin, I know you think's an insult. It is not. Um, Did the combine change even... this position? Um, not really. He's always yeah. been up there for me. As far as, as far as intangibles and physical tools, I think he, him and who is about to be three. I'll just dive into three just because I have a lot of the same things to say about the next guy. Uh, Anthony Richardson at three. Um, so the combine definitely changed some of what I thought about Anthony Richardson. But um, Should he play wide receiver, people are asking? No, he shouldn't. Um, we'll tell those people that he should not. Tight end, maybe. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, they're both similar in size, good athletes, ridiculous arms. Um, I believe they were um, first and se- – no, I'm sorry. They were second and third in terms of the ball velocity. Um, Your favorite which, stat? Which is the most important stat probably ever. Especially um, on the screen pass. <laughs> uh, and for the record, know who has the second highest ever recorded in combine history. Quick trivia fact. Anyone? Anyone? Josh Allen. No. Well, he's tied. Who? Baker. Yes. Baker Mayfield, um, who some moron, without naming names, named Colin Cowherd, said his comp was Case Keenum or Colt McCoy. Um, Needless to say, that is an inaccurate comp and quite stupid, but again, will not name names. Um, So, yeah, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, all the physical tools in the world. Um, unlike who is number four, dun dun dun, Bryce Young. I mean, I just don't see it. Um, first and foremost, what Alabama quarterback has ever been good ever? Um, and don't say Joe Namath. Check the stats. 
Um, I was going to say Bactrions. <laughs> <laughs> the jury is very much still out on the Mac attack. Jalen Hurts. Um, doesn't count. Uh, Lincoln Riley, USC Trojans. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll just connect those dots there. So. <laughs> Any any chance I get to bring up Lincoln Riley in USC, I'm going to take it. So USC teams um, Jalen Hurts? Yeah. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Jalen Hurts is a USC Trojan alumni. <laughs> um, we claim him. But, uh, yeah, Bryce, I, I really don't see it. Um, I, I think for him to succeed, I think the situation has to be perfect. He has to go somewhere warm or like a dome team. I think, you know, people initially talking about, will the Bears trade fields and draft Bryce Young, it's like, do we really think someone who's 5'10", 195 pounds is going to be able to play in the NFC North for his entire career? I just don't see it, even in today's soft NFL. Um, not not huge on uh, on Bryce Young. And quick thing back on Anthony Richardson, what a lot of people fail to mention with him is, well, let me backtrack. Everyone mentions the fact that he – only started 12 games. His completion percentage was dog shit. Yada, yada, yada. But no one's going to draft Anthony Richardson with the expectation for him to start day one. So I, I just don't understand why everyone's like, oh, well, it's just, I, I don't get it. But anyway, um, so like if he goes to like a Seattle for, and sits behind Gino for two years, I, I think, you know, the sky's the limit for someone like Anthony Richardson. Um, so just want to backtrack on that. And then coming in at number five, my guy, who would have been number one pre-ACL, Hendon Hooker out of the University of Tennessee. Go Vols. Great baseball team. Phenomenal baseball school. Shout out Tony Vitolo. Doing a great job. Um, but Hendon Hooker was the runaway Heisman Trophy winner um, at, at one point in the season. Tears his ACL in a big game. I believe it was the Bama game. If not, it was the Georgia game. One or the other. Um, dude's a stud. He's super mature. I mean, Christ is like 26. He's like the black Brandon Whedon. Um, but I would give anything for the Steelers to draft him in like the fucking third round. Um, and kind of put a little sweat on Kenny's back because I'm still not 100% sold on Kenny Pickett, even though he has the biggest hands in the NFL. Um, Maybe in human history. Yeah, people are saying it's pretty wild stuff. Um, but, yeah, I've Hendon Hooker rounding out my top five. I know, you know, this could get a little pushback from some of those that think they know what they're talking about. They don't. Um, but, yeah, I, I will leave the floor open. Um, yeah, it also, I will say it did pain me to not have Tanner McKee out of Stanford go Cardinal. Um, not in the top five, but I just it had to be done. Yeah, I just think it's really tough to even pick any of these guys at number one. I mean, I know the Bears are probably going to trade out of it regardless, but I think the ones, like you said, there are a couple guys who are more pro-ready, but not necessarily that high of ceilings. And then you have the freaks like Richardson, but you know, that's complete boomer bust, and you don't want to take, a, like, you Bryce Young, you don't want to take a super undersized guy at number one overall, and then that not pan out, you would feel stupid, but you Peace also... The Cardinals? Yeah, but you... Yeah, seriously. 
How's that working out? But you also don't want to take a complete project, even if he's a freak, at, you know, number one overall, and then that not work out, you know, ask the 49ers. Granted, they're still doing well, but how good does the Trey Lance pick look right now where they traded so much away to get him at, what, three overall, and he's barely played in two years. So that's why I just – I don't even know – who barely played in four years, let yeah. alone the last two years. Yeah, yeah. Um, they had the COVID season, and then he had the season prior, and then they got drafted, and like here we are. So like he he is not even seen the field. The Trey Lance pick is an absolute disaster. Um, so my point exactly, like, and people were probably argue that Trey Lance would have, I don't know, would you say he would be the best quarterback available in this draft based on, you no. know, not even just purely coming out of college, not what you no. know now? No. Okay, well. Um, Trey Lance would have been in the same boat as Anthony Richardson, and then we'd watch them throw. And Anthony Richardson, he's really shored up his throwing motion a lot. I mean, you saw in the in the combine when they were doing those uh, those nine routes, the straight go. I mean, that dude can let the fucking ball fly. He was dropping it in the bucket. Um, his arm talent's off the charts. Trey Lance has a funky throwing motion. He's not a pure thrower by any stretch. And I just think all around athlete. Um, Anthony Richardson blows him out of the water. So he, yeah. he'd be in he'd be in that he'd be in that tier in this draft. But again, this draft, I, this is just going to, you know, separate who the good and bad organizations are. You know, Seattle is in a unique position to where they made the playoffs, albeit just to get slaughtered by San Fran. But still, they made the playoffs. They have a veteran guy there that he even himself knows he's a bridge guy. So they're in a u- unique position in the top 10, top five, to take a guy like Anthony Richardson, who was a quote-unquote project. But not every team obviously has that luxury. So, yeah, I agree. You know, if you were a team like the Texans, Anthony Richardson is probably not even on their fucking radar. Um, but It is the Texans. Yeah, it is the Texans. And, two, why the fuck are the Texans not just going to be like, you know what, fuck this. Give me the best quarter. I mean, sorry, give me the best player available, whether it's Jalen Carter, Will Anderson. And suck again. And then you – Oh no, we didn't get the number one pick. I guess I'll have to take Drake May, who is a six foot five Aaron Rodgers. Like, what, what are we? What are we doing here? If you know you have zero chance of being good this year, with, especially with any of these quarterbacks who are, you know, going to be like I said, at best hit their ceiling. A guy like Stroud, Bryce Young, Whit Levis, Anthony Richardson, they're going to be like in that eight nine best in the league tier. You know, Richardson maybe if he you know, gets the cam level, his MVP season, but that's still pretty unlikely. So like, why would you not just suck again, build the rest of the team? Hell trade back from two. Cause Indianapolis, Jim Ursay is doing an eight ball right now. Thinking about how to draft fucking Bryce young. Um, <laughs> like why on earth would you not just suck it up and be like, Hey, we're gonna be terrible again, but we got our coach. We're building our roster. We're going to free Brandon Cooks unless he wants to stay. But hey, Brandon, do you want to play with Caleb Williams, who just won the fucking Heisman at USC with Lincoln Riley? Um, like, I, I just don't understand the, the logic behind it. But again, um, to, to kind of round this up, this draft class sucks balls for quarterbacks. <laughs> and uh, I feel pretty strongly about that. 
Also, if the Texans owners are listening, you could also have Lamar Jackson for that number two pick. Yeah, seriously. I um, <clears throat> I think no one wants the number one pick this year. Like, it is so undesirable. Someone is going to be forced into taking it. Like you said, maybe if Jim Irsay is high enough, he'll just gladly step up to the plate and just, <laughs> God forbid, maybe just not even take a quarterback. That would be incredible. But... <laughs> I feel like, or what would also be incredible is if the league just colludes to force the Bears to keep the pick. No one wants to trade with them, and they just are forced to take the number one overall pick still. But, yeah, I don't think anybody wants it. I think every team's mindset in this draft is to just collect as many picks as possible in the later rounds because there's not that big of a drop-off or even just for next year's draft. Yeah, but people yeah. overvalue quarterbacks as we talk, so they'll be like, we're saying all this, but there'll be like three drafted in the top five. Oh, somebody will take them, but it'll just be a horrible mistake. Don't just count like out the Chiefs the- trading up for Patrick Mahomes was. <laughs> do, not, do not count out the Jets drafting a quarterback early as well, even if they trade for Rodgers. Um, I, I don't think, although, I mean, there was a lot of Rogers comps with Zach Wilson and just in terms of like the way they're, they're throwing motion mechanics, et cetera. Some of the arm talent. Um, I, I still yeah. don't think, I don't think Zach Wilson's the guy long-term there. I think he needs to go somewhere like a San Fran, honestly. Um, or help put Zach Wilson in the trade package for, for green Bay. I think that would be really smart for them to do. Um, but yeah, keep an eye on the jets. My sources are telling me the jets, draft a quarterback. I feel like they're also the front runner for Lamar amongst teams who are still in. No if way. Not going to Baltimore. No way. No, they're after Aaron Rodgers too, but no way. We'll see. Front. I I cannot imagine a team like Atlanta with Pitts, Drake London, Arthur Smith in a dome. Um, I think it's the third big or fourth biggest market in the country outside of L.A., Chicago, yeah. and New York. Um, I just don't see. Especially if they were willing to throw all that fucking money at Deshaun. I know they're one of the teams that said they weren't interested right now. But, again, we already talked about why that is probably. Um, if Lamar was truly available, I don't see Arthur Blank not having just a blank check for Lamar and saying, whatever your number is, come be our quarterback. Come be uh, Michael Vick 2.0, so to speak. Um, I, I think Atlanta would be the front runner, or honestly Washington. Um, Washington's really interesting. That there's been a lot of noise about that, um, you know. So, but I, I don't think the Jets and Lamar make a ton of sense personally. We'll see. A lot of teams that, that are publicly sense. out. A lot of teams that are publicly out of the closet on Lamar. We'll see if they go back in the closet. <clears throat> Plenty of time. Um. Are we doing a draft? I mean, no. I feel if we were to do, I would say, if we were to, we've been going for a while, lineman, honestly, already. If we were to do interior linemen, I feel like we should only do one round, and it would just be fucking Chris Jones, Quinn Williams, Dexter Lawrence, Cam Hayward, whatever. Like, it's not, it, yeah, it's not even really like worth doing them. I think we should just same with running backs. Um. So, I vote personally, um, 
we dive into edge rushers next week, quarterbacks the following, then coaches. Yeah. All, all while keeping up with current events. Yeah, I'm good with that. Yeah, there's a ton of news this week, so ideally if there's less, we can focus on more position groups next week and do a solid number of picks and really dive back into that. Sounds good to me. Fantabulous. Well, we will see you all next week. Goodbye. Okay. Are we good? <laughs> yeah, we're just still recording. So funny. <laughs> Are just, we really? Just a stop recording. Please don't the stop. The computer's man. like, no, please don't stop. <laughs> so fucking good. Please Honestly, keep yeah. going. I'm just gonna <laughs> I'm just gonna hang up and uh well, what if it doesn't save. Yeah, it might not. Well it lets yeah, you so don't, Oh don't, yeah, shit. You gotta stop the recording probably. That's a good point. Yeah, definitely don't I know, but I can't. Down. Why can't you? I'm clicking the button and it's not stopping. What about up there? We are keeping everyone on the edge of their seats right now. I (laughs) wish this was a live show. I mean, I'm going to have to just hang up and we just might lose all this. If we lose all this by far and away our best episode, I will be devastated. I know. Is your computer a touchscreen or no? No. I mean, it's clicking the button. It's just not registering. Hmm. Try like a different tab. And yeah. then, like, go back to it. Oh, yeah. Or try minimizing it and then, like, just reopening it real quick. Free technology for anybody who's still with us. <laughs> just seeing future leaders of America <laughs> basically create, recreate the hydrogen bomb right now. Trying <laughs> to hang up this Skype call. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I just gotta hang up. Nothing's working. Did you refresh the page? Oldest trick in the book. Yeah. <laughs> Did you blow into the fucking USB port? <laughs> I mean, there's nothing else I can do. You should probably start doing this on an iPad, like us geniuses. Oh, the stop recording button. <laughs> Still didn't work. Yeah, I mean,. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's it's worked every other time. We I think are, it'll I think it'll save because it was I, recording. I think it will too. And honestly, just for the sake of the last three and a half minutes, I really hope it saves. Yeah, well, I'm leaving all of this in. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm gonna hang up. We'll see what happens. All right, just shoot in the text uh, in the thing in the group. All right, I'm optimistic. I'm not. <laughs>